So this whole summer, we're going to be just hitting different topics, topics that we've been praying about that we feel um, would be good for us to discuss, topics that I think would be timely for where you guys are at in your life. Um, And I wanted to spend these first two weeks hitting up relationships. Now, before you you come at me, um, we're looking at different types of relationships, okay? We're going to spend two weeks focusing on our relationships with one another. And this first week, we're going to be focusing on fellowship. That is relationship with our brothers and sisters in Christ, relationships with the church, relationships with one another that way. And then next week, we'll be talking about relationships in terms of romantic dating relationships and not just like advice, right? This is not like an advice column up here. Like we're actually just going to be talking about the purpose of them, how they glorify the Lord, why they exist and and, and all of those things. So it's going to be something for everyone, something that um, you definitely want to be a part of and, and hear because it impacts um, our lives, knowing how we should be in relationship with one another. So like I said, tonight um, we are talking about fellowship. That's why the message is titled Foundations of Fellowship. You can see First John there. You can go ahead and turn there as we're getting started here. We'll get to it in just a minute. But I want to, I want to park on that idea of fellowship for just a minute. And I want to acknowledge that the word fellowship is overused. The word fellowship is completely overused. Like the church nowadays as a whole, like not just our church, but like church world in general as a whole, has tended to use that word really to mean a gathering of people. If you've grown up in church, you all know what I mean, right? I got a few examples. How many of you have been invited to a Super Bowl party that says, join us for football and fellowship? Somebody has heard that word before, right? Food and fellowship, it goes right off the tongue. Join us for a time of fellowship. Join us for an evening of worship, prayer, and fellowship. I mean, and if you grew up in the right kind of church, it was like, make your way through the foyer and then head down to the fellowship hall where we'll be having lunch afterwards, right? Like, we even have parts of buildings called fellowship halls. And I'm not saying that's bad. I'm not saying that wrong. Like, the heart behind it is amazing, It's just that the side effect to it is that we've become desensitized to what the word fellowship means. And we use it so commonplace in every day that we've let it mean other things that it may not mean. You guys know what I'm talking about when I use the word love, right? If I say I love pizza and I say I love my wife, prayerfully, those are two different types of love, but we just sort of throw it everywhere and now it means different things in different situations. That's what's happened to the word fellowship. And like many words that are overused, it's really, it's just becoming diluted. It's becoming watered down. And I want to take a minute and I want to redeem that word for us as we begin talking about what fellowship is. Because the word fellowship, guys, it's, it's a beautiful word. Like, like many words that are in the foundations of scripture, it's a beautiful, deep, meaningful word. You see, nowadays when we say fellowship, often what we mean is a gathering of believers, That's actually what community is. That's why when I text you every week, I say worship word and community is because what I'm referring to is that we will gather together and be in community. Prayerfully, fellowship will happen, but that fellowship will happen in the context of community. But typically, we mean for it to mean community, but in Scripture, it actually means much more than just community. In Scripture, we see fellowship has this idea of intimacy in it. Intimacy and partnership and relationship. Let me say that again. Fellowship comes with an idea of intimacy and partnership 
and relationship. And before we get into 1 John, I just want to give you a few examples of how fellowship is actually used in Scripture. If you're a note taker, I'm sorry, I'm going to go through these very fast. They're not going to be on the screen. Maybe you can just write the reference and you can get to it, all right? Acts 2.42, this talks about, Acts 2.42 talks about what the early church did and when they gathered together, and it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayer. So fellowship is something that they considered being together in relationship, living with one another as they gathered together. 1 Corinthians 1.9, 1 Corinthians 1.9, God is faithful by whom you were called into fellowship with his son. Do you notice the difference there? You're not just called into community with Jesus. You're called into fellowship with him. And if you walk with Christ, if you sincerely and authentically know who Jesus is and he's Lord of your life, then you will absolutely know that when I say you have fellowship with Jesus, that it means so much more than you just get together with him. You'll know that it's a partnership and a relationship. 2 Corinthians 6.14. This is talking about relationships. We'll get there a little bit next week. We're not really going to hit this verse next week, but 2 Corinthians 6.14 says, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness, or what fellowship has light with darkness? See, the word fellowship is used when it's talking about those that are getting married. The word fellowship is used when it talks about those that are going to be in partnership together the rest of their lives. Galatians 2.9. This is Paul talking about when um, he was like essentially put to the test by James and Peter and John to see if he was real in what he was doing. And this is Paul talking about that. And he says, and when James and Cephas and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave me the right hand of fellowship. Paul is saying that after they approved of him and his work for the gospel, the church elders turned to him, presented the right hand of fellowship to say, you are with us. You are our partner. You are alongside us. You are in this with us. They weren't just acknowledging that he could show up at temple. They weren't just acknowledging that he could show up at their next gathering where they're going to take communion. They were acknowledging that he was a partner with them and that he was alongside them. So you're starting to see how fellowship has a much deeper meaning than what we let it be. And I want to redeem that word for you because I want you to understand how crucial it is to the Christian life. Now, I, I get it that I'm probably preaching to the choir right now because the summer just started. Y'all have plenty of options that you could be doing for the summer and you chose to be here with me on a Thursday night. I get that I might be preaching a bit to the choir, but I pray that the understanding of fellowship will not only deepen for you tonight and you'll understand how crucial it is to your life, but I want you to understand the importance of keeping up with it and particularly for those that are away from where you have been for the last you know, nine or 10 months, I want to encourage you to stay in fellowship with those that you have been with, to not neglect that over the next three months, to actually be in community with them still and, and in fellowship in that way. I want to encourage you that. And for those of you that have been here and you're sticking around here, I want to encourage you to stick it out while everyone's going on vacation and traveling and working and changing shifts and things like that. I want to encourage you to stick it out. On top of that, and by the end of this message, I want you to understand how fellowship can be used as an evaluation tool of the healthiness of your relationship with Christ. I want you to understand that you can evaluate your fellowship with others as a tool of looking at the health of your relationship with Christ. Not the only tool, but a tool. 
That's what we're going to say, right? Let's get into the passage and see what we have tonight in God's Word. This is 1 John 1, 5 through 7. I'm picking up just sort of at the beginning of John's letter here. And he's talking about how they've been made apostles and how they themselves have seen Christ. And he's just beginning to start talking about the message of Christ. And in verse 5 here, he says, This is the message we have heard, the apostles have heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin. Now I had us read a couple of these verses together but really the verse that we're going to be hanging on tonight is verse 7. That's going to be the hinge that everything sort of hangs on both before it and after it and our understanding of fellowship. And we're going to be looking at verse 7 intently tonight. And verse 7 starts with this first point that we have for us. And that first point is that fellowship with each other flows from fellowship with God. Fellowship with each other flows from fellowship with God. I want you to look at that first part of verse 7 again. And I want you to notice there's a qualifier there. It says, but if we walk in the light as he's in the light, we have fellowship. Do you see that qualifying statement there? If we walk as he walks, if we do this, if we are in relationship with God, that's what it's saying. If we walk with God, then, that's what's implied by that comma there, then we have fellowship with one another. They're one and the same. They're coupled together. Our fellowship with each other starts with, it flows from fellowship with God. If this is true, then this is true. That's what that statement is. And and the first implication of this is that our fellowship is truly caused and grounded in God. And what I mean by that, it's, it's the basis of why we gather in the first place. Last year, I was uh, listening to a podcast like I do, and I was, I was listening to a, a pastor talk about the culture of his church. And he said something in it that really stuck out to me, something that it stuck with me ever since, and it's helped me understand the power of the gospel, and it's helped me understand what fellowship should truly look like. And he said this, he said, when he looks at his church, the thing that encourages him the most is that he looks at the people in his church and he doesn't see people that would get along apart from Christ. He doesn't see people that could be on a baseball team. He doesn't see people that would be at the country club. He doesn't see people that it makes sense for them to be together. He sees people that the only reason they're even in the same room is because the power of God has gripped them and the gospel of Christ is what rules them. And that has stood out to me because that is the power of the gospel. The gospel, the power of the gospel fleshed out in fellowship is that many of us would not be in the same room right now if it wasn't for Christ. Many of us would not be in the same room or know each other right now if it wasn't for the gospel, if it wasn't for our own relationship with God. Because our fellowship with one another flows from our relationship with him in the first place. And I think the result of this, the application for you is to be reminded that you should get it out of your head. You should get it out of your head that in order for you to be in fellowship, you need to find people like you. We need to die to that thought. 
that in order to be in fellowship, people must be like us, that they must be in the same walk of life, that they must be in, in the, the same income level, that they must be in the same major, the same degree, that they must live in the same building. Now, those are all great things, and those aren't things that should prevent you from being in fellowship. Those are, I mean, we have a college ministry, right? We are ministering to the college age, 18 to 25-ish. Like, we're about contextualized ministry. That's not the problem. What I'm saying is you should not negate fellowship simply because someone doesn't meet your mold. You shouldn't negate fellowship just because someone isn't like you or doesn't think like you or doesn't act like you or wasn't raised like you. We need to die to that thought and we need to remember that the basis of fellowship is Jesus Christ. The basis of fellowship is the gospel and how he died for each one of us and now he's brought us together. That we are in him and because we are in him, we are in fellowship. That is what true fellowship is. And some of you are living this out amazingly. I'm super proud of this group because there's so many of you from different walks of life. I've told our leaders time and time again, we must keep the integrity of this group that we are welcoming and loving for all walks of life, for anybody that comes from anywhere, because that's what brings us together is the gospel. And if we believe that, we need to live that out. I'm super proud of you guys. I'm not in any way trying to convict you because you're doing terrible. I want to encourage you because you're doing great and I want you to keep on doing it. I want this group to be defined by those things. I'm so proud of you for it and I want it to keep on happening. But I want you to remember that the reason it is in the first place is not because we just want to be open. We just want to be loving. It's because Jesus was those things to us and now we are those things to other people. All right, so... First one, fellowship with each other flows from fellowship with God. That one should be pretty easy to understand. We see it right there, but I really want to dive just a little bit deeper into what it actually means to have fellowship with God. Because if that's the foundation of everything, we should probably have a good understanding of that foundation. So let's talk about, as like a sub point, just what it means to have fellowship with God. Fellowship with God means, and this first point, Walking in holiness or, or purity. I put both up there because holiness and purity are wrapped together, especially when we're talking about God and his holiness and how pure and set apart he is. But when it comes to fellowship with God and walking with him, we're talking about walking in holiness and walking in purity. And I'm not just grabbing this from anywhere, right? I'm not, I'm not just throwing this, you know, from midair and saying this is what I'm going to talk about tonight. It's right here in these verses. That's why verses 5 and 6 are included in our passage tonight. Look back at them with me. Verses 5 and 6, this is the message we've heard from him proclaim to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie. And do not practice the truth. Like it calls him light. It calls him the complete lack of darkness. In fact, it says that he doesn't contain any darkness whatsoever. And if you look throughout scripture, when you look at the times that light is used, especially in the Old Testament, when light is used as a descriptor, what it does, it signifies purity. It signifies purity, holiness, and knowledge. Like when it says that God is light, it is calling him pure. It means that there's no malintent in him. There's no wrong decisions. There's no bad things in him at all. And this passage is saying that walking with him means that we too will not walk 
in darkness. Did you pick that up in that passage there? It says, if we say we have fellowship with him. So if we claim to know God, we claim to be in fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, then we lie. The implication there is we can't have darkness in us either. Now that's a bit more difficult for us to say that we need to be pure and holy. It's a bit more difficult to say that we are pure and holy because we know, we know that we still have the capacity to sin. We know that we still give in to sin. We know that most of us at some point today have given in to sin in some form or fashion. But just because we have the capacity for it doesn't mean we aren't called to it. We see it all throughout Scripture. We see it in Peter. We see it in Isaiah. God says, be holy because I am holy. As I am holy, you shall be holy. Like God calls us to it. And God would never call us to something like that that he doesn't equip us for. God would never call us to something like that that he doesn't enable. And we thank God that he enabled that through his sacrifice of Jesus Christ. That through Christ, he has made us righteous. He has allowed us to become pure and holy, to, to reach that at the end of our days, to, to see that at the end. You know, it says in First Peter that all of that being undefiled is, is kept in heaven for us to be revealed at the end of our days. Now, the reason I'm talking about this is because part of walking in light with God is to make sure and remember that we are called to holiness and purity. It's a hard one to talk about sometimes. It's the one, like for those of you that are in C groups or in small groups, it's the one we like to skirt over a little bit, right? Like it's sort of the one that sometimes when we're, we're in group and like we're checking the clock and we only got 10 minutes left, like I'm not getting to it today. That's good. Like we'll just avoid this whole thing. It's also the thing that the minute the leader brings it up, like, all right, how are you guys doing? You know, let's talk about some of the, the things we've struggled with this week. It's immediately everyone gets silent. Right? It's something we feel. It's something I don't even need to talk about much. I just have to say the word holiness and you in the same sentence and you immediately feel it. You feel that conviction. I'm not going to talk anymore about it. I know you're feeling it. I'm going to let you sit in it. I'm going to let you know that what you're called to. But it's not just walking in holiness and purity. There's another part to it right here and that it's walking in truth. Like part of, of walking with God and, and, and being in fellowship with him is walking in truth. And we see it there at the end of verse six. It says, we lie and we do not practice the truth. Now this, this goes hand in hand with holiness and purity and truth. And it's that we, at the end of the day, don't want to live a life that is filled with patterns of deceit, patterns of sin, patterns of deception and lies. We don't want to live a life that's filled with patterns of those things because it shows what grips our heart. It shows who we truly live for. You know, the qualifying statement that I want to make sure I say tonight is we're not talking about if you have sinned today or if you sin you're not walking with God. That's not the statement I'm making. The statement that is made here, I mean, you can read the rest of 1 John and see it's all about like loving the Lord and following his commandments and desiring those things. The statement John is making is those things are not 
the rulers of your life. They don't dominate your life. They, don't, they are not the patterns of your life that define you. They are not the things that you rest in. They don't have strongholds over your life because Jesus Christ has a stronghold over your life. And so to put these two together before we move on, if I said you need to live in holiness, you need to live in purity, and you need to live in the truth, and that sounds really rough for you, and you're scared, you're like, I haven't been doing those things, that's good. That's called conviction. That's called the Holy Spirit. That's called the Holy Spirit speaking to you. And thank God that all he desires is a humble heart that is repentant to confess it to him and to keep on moving in relationship with him. And I just want to lay it before you. Have a humble heart, repent, confess it to him, and move forward in fellowship with him because fellowship with him is a beautiful thing. And, and last but not least, fellowship with him. And this is the part that ties it all together for us tonight. Fellowship with him is not only walking in holiness and pureness, walking in truth, but it's walking with each other. It's walking with each other. You see this in the second part of, of verse seven. And we're, we're going to get the second part, verse seven in a minute, talking about how like that, like walking with one another proves our walking with God. Before we get that, let's, let's talk about what it actually looks like to walk with one another. If we're talking about fellowship, we're talking about how it's connected to God and, and also it's with one another and we saw it there in verse seven, let's talk about what it actually looks like. And, and here's the thing I would say. The first thing I would say is that it's hard. Walking with one another, it's hard. And it's hard no matter what stage you're in. And, and I want to say that if you think it's easy, if you think that walking with one another and being in fellowship with one another is easy, that's because you're probably ignoring the next step that you need to take to deepen that relationship. You're probably ignoring the thing that's right in front of you that would cause you to deepen your relationship with Christ and his church and walk uh, greater in the light with him and greater in the light with others. And if you're wondering like, well, how do I even know what that is? I, I think it's easy. I think it's easy to be in fellowship with one another. And you just said that I'm probably ignoring something. What is it? Well, let me give you a few examples, things that you can start evaluating in your own life in terms of fellowship. I, I, I put this, this is the pastor in me, okay? I put them in what I consider very cheesy pastoral terms, but they help me remember it, okay? So hopefully they help you remember it as well. They're not on the screen. I'm just gonna say them because they're pretty simple, but here's some examples of, of a step you might need to take to deepen your fellowship with others and therefore your fellowship with God. The first one is show up, right? Show up as in maybe that means signing up for a C group because you don't have anywhere around you that you have people speaking into your life in the first place. You're not even putting yourself in a place in which people might walk alongside you in fellowship. Maybe it's you are avoiding Thursday nights and you just happen to be here tonight and I thank God for you, but maybe this is the night that you're like, you know what? I just need to commit to show up in the first place and sit under God's word. Like show up, but maybe you're already showing up, right? Maybe this, this stage is good. Like you're good at least being a warm body in the room. Okay, so let's move on. Not just show up, but open up. See, intimately tied in with fellowship is vulnerability. Intimately tied into fellowship is what we saw in the scriptures I listed. It's partnership. It's coming alongside one another together to work towards the same goal. And part of that means that you need to open up. You need to be willing to share your life with other people and not just the parts of the life that make you look good. Not just parts of life that are Instagram worthy, but all the parts of your life to share with one another in deep fellowship because there is no darkness in God. 
So why are you holding on to the darkness in you? If we say we have fellowship with him, but yet we walk in darkness, we are liars and we do not practice the truth. I want to encourage you to open up, to confess these things. If you keep on reading 1 John, maybe you get home tonight, you want to read more of this or later this week, I mean, it straight up says, if we confess our sins, he is just and faithful to forgive. There's a certain element of opening up that has to happen in fellowship. Maybe you're good at that. Maybe you're the person that opens up too much, right? And like, that's not the problem for you. Let's talk about the next one. Maybe it's grow up. Show up, open up, or grow up. By grow up, maybe it's time for you to actually take those points of application that your secret leader keeps on giving you, that maybe you're hearing in the passages we go through, that, that Pastor Rob is preaching on Sundays, that your friend has said like 10 different times to you and he's used scripture to back it up and you still won't apply it to your life. Maybe this is the point, that it's time to, time to grow up and actually apply that to your life. Or maybe the thing you need to grow up in is your relationship with one another that's in disrepair. It's just a, a two-edged sword. One part's grow up, like apply things personally. The other one is, is grow up, is like get over the little things that have hurt you between you and those in your group, between you and your friends. Like let love cover it, extend forgiveness. Christ extended forgiveness to us and we need to extend forgiveness to others. You know, the hard, one of the hardest things about being in fellowship is forgiving one another is letting love cover a multitude of sins within the body. It's really hard to forgive. It's hard to give that over to the Lord. And it's hard not to hold it against the person that hurt you. I'm not saying it's easy. And I'm not saying me just saying the words grow up is going to help. Now, I do need to make the caveat. When I say grow up, I'm not trying to talk down to you, right? I'm just trying to be a cutesy pastor with these words. Um, some hurts are hurt. Some hurts are deep. Some hurts require a lot of prayer and discussion. I'm not trying to belittle you or down you in any way. I'm trying to encourage you. I'm trying to encourage you to keep on fighting for, for that forgiveness, to keep on fighting to extend it, to keep on fighting to walk in it, all right? So if by any means that offended you by the way I said it, that is not my heart, not my intent. And I'd love to talk to you more about it as well, right? So show up, open up, grow up. And uh, here's one, blow up, right? Blow up. And the way I mean that is, hey, maybe you're in the part of your fellowship that you need to invite more people into it. Maybe you're in the part where you need to bring more people into this group. Maybe you're in the part where you're equipped to be the one leading other people into this fellowship and this group of, of following after God and it's time for you to invite other people into it. Maybe you're the type of person that's really good at building relationships with people and bringing them in and you haven't invited them to a Thursday night ever. Like you've never brought anyone here and yet you're like perfectly gifted to be able to do so. Maybe that's you. Maybe that's to your C group. Maybe that's to some other group. I don't know. Maybe that's even just to church, right? But maybe it's time for you to just bring other people into it, bring them into the fold, bring them into knowing Christ. So show up, open up, grow up, blow up, right? You're welcome. That's, I'm, I'm, that's it for me being cheesy. Here's the last point for us to focus on tonight, and that's that fellowship with each other proves our fellowship with God. 
Fellowship with each other proves our fellowship with God. Now, I told you that by the end of the night, I would be showing you that one of the ways to evaluate your walk with Christ is evaluate how you treat fellowship and how you go about it. And that's found right here in verse seven again. Verse seven, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, uh, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. We walk in the light as he is in the light. We have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Now this can be a dangerous sentence if we don't know how to look at it right. Because there's several things that this sentence could imply. Like we look at the second statement and the blood of his son cleanses us from all sin. We could think that the first part of verse seven is what cleanses us, right? If we walk in the light as he is in the light, The blood of his son cleanses us, but that's not how Jesus saves us. Like Jesus doesn't save us because we walk in the light. Jesus doesn't save us because we're able to do that. In fact, we're only able to do that because Jesus saves us. So we know that that can't be the meaning. The meaning is not that because we walk with God or because we have fellowship, therefore his blood applies to us. Therefore, the only other option in here is Because his blood applies to us, we walk in the light. He's in the light. We have fellowship with one another. And now you start seeing that these things are intimately tied together. Notice how it says, and the blood of Jesus cleanses us. Not or the blood of Jesus cleanses us. Like they're, they're together. They come together. Like if we walk in the light, then we know that we have fellowship with others And we know that we are saved. You see how they work? How they're tied together? Meaning, if you are saved, if you authentically have given your life over to Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you claim him as Lord of your life, if you are one of his disciples, then you walk in the light and you walk with one another. You walk as God walks in relationship with him. And you walk with God's people in relationship with them. They're one and the same. They happen together. And I want to highly encourage you that one of the ways you can evaluate if you really take your life with Christ seriously is how you treat the fellowship of being with God's people. Is how you treat the fellowship of being with him and with his people. So hopefully... There's been something in here for everyone in terms of where you can be, where you can grow. I'm going to be up here um, right after this. Just if you want to talk, if you want any clarifications, I'd love to talk to you. If you're interested in getting involved this summer and you're looking at how to do that, come talk to me or talk to one of the leaders as well. We have some different options going on. It's the summer, obviously, so it's a little harder, but we're going to try as hard as we can to get people involved, right? Um, I think that's about it in terms of um, what we're talking about in fellowship. Next week, we're talking about relationships. Intimately tied, but also some other things to talk about as well. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you for this time that we got together to be around your word. Father, I pray that if I said anything that is not of you, that if I said anything that is not adhered to your word, that it fall dead in the room now, Father. That it would have zero impact, Lord. That it would be forgotten as as many of uh, 
The things that I'm sure I have said have been forgotten, Lord. And I thank you for that. I thank you that your word is the thing that has eternal impact. Your word and your truth is the only thing that can actually change our hearts, Father. And I pray that that's what happens. I pray that um, all that was seen in your word tonight would encourage us, Lord, to follow after you, to be in relationship with you and be in relationship with your church. We love you, Father. Continue to grow that love for you and your people. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.